From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder, your host, with my friend and colleague, Jeffrey Roach. This, Jeffrey, is a special Dunkin' Donuts edition of Market Signals because we just figured out you and I are both drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee. We are not paid sponsors by Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I just thought that was very interesting because I'm in Boston where that's what everybody drinks, and you are not. How about we that? Are not, we are not paid sponsors. So, yeah, that, that's good Good disclosure on uh, on that one. <laughs> but, yes. I don't expect my friends in uh, Charlotte area to be drinking Dunkin' like we are up here, but that's great. So uh, we got a good show for you today. We got a lot to talk about. It's a real busy week this week uh, in terms of uh, economic data and economic events. You know, unfortunately, we don't have a positive week last week uh, to talk about in terms of the market because we were down. Uh, so we'll recap last week. The energy sector was a winner, but certainly most of the uh, S&P sectors were down. Um, the LPL Research's uh, Investment Committee upgraded the energy sector. So uh, we'll talk about why we did that and why we think the energy sector is a good opportunity right now. Uh, next, we'll do what I call a soft landing check-in. That, uh, that Jeff's going to be your area of expertise. Uh, we've got some charts on economic growth, economic surveys, inflation, et cetera, just to see where we're headed. And then, uh, of course, as we always do, we'll preview the week ahead. So let's start with just a quick recap of last week. We have the uh, the market performance table here, S&P down about 1.3% uh, for the week. So not a big uh, a big drop, but, but we were down the NASDAQ a little bit worse. And then uh, the Russell 2000 small caps even worse than that. So it was certainly a risk-off week. You can see the risk-off week in the in the sector performance too, because while energy was up, uh, you had um, industrials down the most, down almost 3%. You had uh, technology down over 2%. Actually, a big reason why, um, it's really two stocks, two reasons why, Apple and NVIDIA uh, were both down uh, about 6% last week. The, uh, the Apple decline was certainly in part due to the, uh, the news that Chinese government officials are banning use of iPhones. Markets thinking that maybe that restriction widens out and uh, you know has a meaningful effect on on Apple's business. So Apple was down on that news uh, this week is their big uh, release event. So uh, you know maybe that stock will get turned around. But anyway, it was a down week uh, last week, and I guess the international market's not really offering much uh, relief because you had uh, declines all across Europe. You had um, declines in um, most of Asia as well, although India, interestingly, a standout. You had the international headwind last week of the strong dollar, uh, certainly, that made it tough for international markets to gain ground. And then just quickly, fixed income and commodities here. Um, you had a fixed income week that was driven more by rates, and specifically higher rates, than any sort of credit assessment because essentially every segment of the bond market did the same thing and <laughs> went down uh whether it's treasuries or high yield or anything in between um, all down about 30 basis points and then on the industrial or on the uh, commodity side uh the um you know energy stood out just like it did on the equity side because you had oil higher last week 
But look what commodities did uh, outside of energy. You had uh, declines in industrial metals, precious metals. Uh, I mean, grains pretty flat, uh, soft commodities down. And I think part of that uh, is the strong dollar again, right? So a strong dollar weighing on your national returns and uh, on commodities. And anything you want to pull out of um, last week's market activity, Jeff, that kind of, uh, you know, underscores uh, the performance I just went through? I think if you look at the energy side, uh, so you have a little higher than uh, 1% on the week, but you really need to shift your eyeballs a little bit over to the right, looking at that three-month column. And it kind of tells you that part of this story has been in the last three months, there's been this, uh, you know, a, a stronger support for uh, Q3 growing pretty strongly. Uh, the soft landing narrative, as you teased out actually just a few moments ago at the outset of the podcast, and uh, as as the the soft landing narrative kind of gains ground, perhaps you know energy demand might be a little bit uh, better than say what uh, investors thought, uh, you know, four or five months ago. So anyway, it's it's just a highlight. You know, the, one of the reasons we do this, of course, is when we show these uh, charts, not to focus on the very very short term. Right, we want to encourage investors to think about longer-term horizons. Uh, hence, the reason why we have uh, uh, the the one uh, three-month, six-month. Perhaps, and maybe we could argue, Jeff, that you know we could have even a longer time frame. But of course, that makes the table getting wider and wider. Uh, so, there you have it. Yeah, well, you'll see a little bit longer-term charts in a moment um, as we focus on uh, you know individual uh, segments of the market. So let. Let's look um, first broadly at the uh, S&P 500. So this is still, you know, generally a positive picture. Uh, you have market breadth holding up uh, relatively well. Our uh, chief technical strategist, Adam Turnquist, tells me the MACD still says buy. It's still a positive uh, signal. Maybe not a strongly positive signal, but, you know, generally, um, you know, the S&P's held on to recent gains. This pullback that we've seen lately has been pretty uh, minimal. So, um, you know, we don't have to talk too much about support levels because we've got to go down quite a bit, um, you know, to get to the next level. But, um, you know, generally you've got okay breadth and okay momentum and, and we'll just, you know, see if we can get through this seasonally weak period in September, which which could be choppy. We got we still got more Federal Reserve risk to work through. We've got, a, you know, some economic data that's a little too strong for the Fed still. Um, so, um, you know, talk about that more in a minute, Jeff, but, uh, you know, we could still be in a position to get a year end rally. It's just probably not going to start right now in our view, uh, just need to, you know, get through a little bit more chop and, uh, and, and some of these headline risks, uh, before we make that next run. So, yeah, um, you could yeah. almost, you could almost say just a, a takeaway is it's, it's more of a choppy market, not a bearish market. Right. Uh, you know, kind of balancing, as you were saying, the MACD and some of the technical indicators, you know, it's, it's a lot different feel where we sit here in September versus where we were uh, early August uh, in the in the midst of the sell off. So so choppiness perhaps might be the, the key word. 100 percent, 100 percent. So, you know, that's where we're at. We think the market's pretty fairly valued. Of course, um, yields matter a lot to the market right now. Uh, you can see that if you just look at the inverse correlation between yields and stock prices. That's this green-red 
um, shaded area at the bottom of this this chart. So we've moved into a period over the last couple of months where we're seeing uh, some pretty strong inverse correlations. So the stock market does not like higher yields now, which reflect more Fed rate hikes in general. Uh, the I guess the good news is we're hitting some pretty stiff resistance in the four threes. So if we can hold that resistance level, we're we're below that today. Uh, it's um, it's of course set September eleventh, twenty twenty three, which I should have mentioned up front. Uh, certainly a somber day, a day where we remember those uh, who lost their lives, and we thank those men and women in uniform for uh, keeping us safe. So while I did not lead with that as I should, that doesn't diminish its importance at all. Uh, certainly, so wanted to get get that in. Um, so as we're recording this on Monday, you see that, um, you know, we're kind of right up against that 4.3. Actually, 4.33 was the intraday high uh, for yields back in August. And I guess we touched that again recently. Uh, or I'm sorry, back uh, last year, October, and we would touch it again uh, this year in August. So um, if we can hold that, then um, you really have kind of an asymmetric outlook potentially for yields where we could go back down to that 375 level that's our year-end target. Uh, and bonds, you know, we didn't gain anything in bonds last week, but we think we're set up for maybe a nice run in bonds over the next um, several months. But if we don't hold that 434 or 433 on the 10-year, we could be off to the races because there's really not a lot of resistance between there and, and, and 450. You know, we don't think we're going to go to five, uh, but certainly, you know, you have to keep that in the back of your mind as a uh, as a risk if inflation reaccelerates and uh and, and we get you know maybe a couple more fed rate hikes uh coming so that's that's a quick look at rates um let's go through the energy upgrade here uh in and actually in conjunction with the energy upgrade uh we actually downgraded consumer staples and we got a little less optimistic about industrials still like industrials but tempered our enthusiasm a little bit uh, there. So, um, but let's focus here on, on energy because that's the big one. We now like energy um, more than the industrial sector. It's our top pick uh, right now. And generally when we make recommendations, we're talking about nine to 12 months, maybe six to 12 months. Um, so this is a chart of crude oil. So, you know, Jeff, maybe you can weigh in on the kind of supply demand outlook here. Um, I guess, you know, again, we're amateur technicians, but looking at this chart, the top chart is just the price of crude up to, you know, 87. There is, this is a breakout, right? Because, um, you know, you're going above what was previous resistance, uh, you know, through, I guess it's 82.59. And now up 87.74, and it, it really looks like 95 is next. So if we get oil at 95, and you know maybe I don't know if you want to make the case for that, Jeff. But if we get oil at 95, there's further gains uh, ahead, most likely for uh, for the energy sector, and certainly the producers are profitable there. Um, so what what do you think is 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 there enough demand for for crude to push us, you know, into the mid 90s or higher? I think from both the supply and a demand uh, perspective, you could argue, you know, that. Uh... The, the the future direction of oil prices is up, uh, you know, either both sides of the equation. Uh, but just uh, harken back just uh, a few minutes ago, Jeff, you were talking about um, upgrading uh, certain sectors. And and for our listeners that are LPL advisors, they know about our 
Global Portfolio Strategy Report uh, that's um, well-loved uh, among the advisors in it, and it explains some of this. But, you know, overall, I think the, the story is, you know, from a supply standpoint, uh, upside pressure from a demand standpoint, particularly when you think about uh, our own domestic economy, uh, if we do fall in a recession, it's not going to be uh, anywhere near uh, previous recessions or the great financial crisis. Uh, and if it's a soft landing, uh, you could argue that that's, that's another reason why uh, the demand uh, side of this will will push prices up. So either way, you know, I think uh, from just a, a price level perspective, um, you know, there's certainly a, a, a good, I wouldn't say necessarily a rosy outlook, uh, but certainly there's reasons why you'd want to have a portfolio that has some exposure to energy. Yeah, the uh, so we're now at an overweight recommendation. Uh, and thanks for the the GPS plug there, Jeff. Um, and, uh, you know, the sector is only about four and a half percent of the S&P. So, you know, that doesn't mean put 20 percent of your portfolio in energy. But, you know, have something north of five if you're going to follow our, our recommendation, at least. Uh, we think uh, the sector set up for uh, a pretty solid run here, not just, I mean, we've seen our performance here recently. I'll show you that in a minute. The performance has been so resilient that the, the rising dollar hasn't really stopped it, right? Oil is usually uh, inversely correlated to the dollar, but, you know, the dollar strength hasn't really slowed it down too much. So this is a chart of the dollar. It looks like a very bullish chart. If, certainly if the dollar can break through this um, resistance in the kind of 104, 105 range, um, then you're, you know, you're looking at maybe potentially a big run, possibly another 5% higher or more. So uh, the Fed may have something to say about that, but uh, dollar strength is uh, certainly something to watch. The recent performance for the energy sector has been very strong. So, you know, we'll, technical analysis is a big part of, of what we do, Jeff, as you know. Uh, and so when you see some of these energy charts, they just, they all look good, whether it's crude oil or it's the energy sector itself. So here you see, um, I just pulled quarter to date Q3, and uh, you've got energy up 12, plus comm services up almost six is in second place, and only financials uh, in the green besides those two in a market that's generally been flat. So you're seeing good good performance out of energy. Um, you're seeing you know energy estimates potentially bottom here. That's the orange line on this chart. I'm just showing forward estimates for energy versus forward estimates for the S&P. Remember, we came through that really strong second quarter earnings season where where S&P estimates rose as companies were reporting results, which is very rare, typically very positive, and certainly helped uh, stocks hold their gains. Energy didn't really participate that much. Energy estimates were still coming down. But now we've got rising energy prices, and we're seeing estimates tick up, uh, which, is, which is good to see. Um, and this is a really cool chart uh, that Tom Ship from our quant team put together. Uh, he and, and Craig Brown just have some of the coolest charts that I've ever seen. Craig's also on the uh, on our quant team. This is the um, total capital return to shareholders for Russell 3000 energy companies, energy, you know, oil and gas producers and integrated producers. Um, and it includes dividends, buybacks, and paying down of debt. Right. I mean, paying down in debt. People don't think of that as returning capital to the shareholders, but it it it, it kind of is. You add all those together and, and just look at this chart. It's just a rocket ship higher. 
right? So in other words, energy companies, you know, we many of you have probably heard that they're not focused as much on production, right? They're more focused on actual profits and being disciplined about their investments and, and all of that. And that's good. And that allows them to return more capital to shareholders. But there's more to this narrative than that, right? The money that they make, they're using that, which is higher, right? They're producing more cash flows because of the discipline. And then that those cash flows are being uh, directed more towards shareholders than ever before. So you're seeing this is basically a tripling since the start of the pandemic in the amount of cash return, of capital return to shareholders. So this is a great a great story and is another reason why we really like the the sector now. There's this there's several positive narratives, but really everything's coming together. They're even reasonably valued still. We think so. Uh, all in all, sector just looks really good. Um, so um, with that, let's move on. Soft landing check in, Jeff. This is your this is your show. So why don't you take over here and and try to um, you know put into perspective what this recent data. Uh, means for the uh, the economic outlook and what that might mean for markets. Yeah, I think you know in this case it's almost like you know I'll I'll address the recession uh, conversation uh, like uh, Mohammed El Arian uh, addressed uh, the Fed's uh, situation just a, a, a few weeks ago. You know he was on uh, on an interview uh, basically starting to say, "Hey, the Fed is too data dependent." Uh, kind of making the argument that there are other things going on. I thought that was kind of interesting, but I'll, I'll take a you know a slight riff on that you know and say you know perhaps um, some investors are too recession focused, meaning you know we we have you know, in the near term uh, this idea that you know momentum is slowing. Uh, the question is how much will it slow, and then you have. In a more uh, longer time frame conversation, well, what are asset prices doing uh, in expectations for what 2024 looks like? Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's just so interesting, you know, as as our listeners kind of think and and hear us say, you know, we're still in that camp that that suggests that the momentum is slowing enough, particularly when excess savings dry up and when that credit card bill comes due. You know, consumers will pull back, uh, particularly on services spending, and that'll uh, be such a, a a fairly large driver in the economy to see you know see contraction. But you know, asset prices you know, have moved way beyond that. Uh, I think you know we're starting. To, we, I think just another point to just highlight that. Uh, but this you know this story right here is um, this is just a graph. We we blogged on it last week. I won't spend a, a lot of time on it because I'll. Uh, highlight the lplresearch.com website, which is where we blog. Uh, so whenever there's uh, comments, you can always uh, reference that lplresearch.com. Uh, basically just saying, you know, the orange line there is showing, you know, it, inflation as uh, indicated by purchasing managers, talking about prices paid, et cetera, have, have trended down, you know, without question over the last year and a half. But in most recent months, there's a little bit of that concern that, oh, maybe inflation's resurging. Hence, um, you know, a little bit of choppiness in markets, uh, an increase in rates, uh, pretty much across, uh, you know, the whole curve. But rates, um, you know, increased as 
investors thought, well, inflation is going to be sticking around a lot longer. That's the orange line. Uh, but if you look at the blue line, the blue line is basically saying, hey, you know, the services economy is growing. It's it's the services economy that's supporting overall economic growth right now so far. Uh, and here, we, you know, here we sit September near the tail end of the third quarter uh, and wanted to highlight just a couple things. And we're going to talk about this in our uh, our committee meeting tomorrow. Uh, and that is, you know, you have huge variance uh, between Fed models. So Atlanta Fed saying, hey, we could see a, almost a 6% uh, growth rate in the third quarter. New York Fed saying, uh, no, don't get too excited, 2%. The Cleveland Fed, Jeff, not sure if you're tracking all this as, as much as I am. Uh, Cleveland Fed is suggesting that Q3 is going to be negative. <laughs> so it's it kind of illustrates, I think, in my view, that you know, coming out of a pandemic, models have been completely torqued. Got to be really careful on how we look at the data. Uh, you know, at this point, momentum's slowing. Most investors are kind of saying, hey, we'll 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 avoid the outright recession. We're saying uh, not so fast. Uh, so that's that's kind of the the main takeaway here from uh, the ISM survey that we got uh, last week. I, I think uh, Jeff, do we have another slide on ISM uh, on here? Yeah, as well. Maybe I'll, I'll tick this uh, back over to you because it connects the dots between what what businesses are saying about activity. That's the blue line, uh, the ISM index, and then what it means. Uh, and connecting the dots between what businesses are actually reporting as it relates to earnings. Uh, but at this point, um, you know, we're, we're we're seeing expectations of that slowdown, and we'll we'll see that uh, as perhaps uh, we go into the the latter part of this year and start to see how those those earnings will play out for the third quarter. Yeah. So with earnings, you have to differentiate between you know, good results, right? Good, good earnings growth versus better than expected, <laughs> right? So what we have right now is basically no earnings growth, right? Consensus for Q3 is zero flat, but that is so much better than most people expected even just a quarter ago, let alone at the start of the year. You know, a lot of folks were looking at $200 or less in earnings per share from the S&P 500 this year as recently as you know q2 <laughs> right or or certainly uh you know in the spring q1 so uh to get to this point where now 220 225 you know a lot of folks are still looking for are now looking for numbers that good consensus is over 220 now which is really hard to believe uh frankly that's much better than expected but it's still i just want to highlight that is modest that is that is no growth year over year basically and that is, you know, setting us up maybe for we think mid single digit earnings growth next year. So that really is consistent with, you know, what you see here from the ISM, which is, you know, kind of creeping back to a flat year over year, you know, low 50s, right, Jeff? The kind of a slow growth environment is consistent with what, like a 52, 53. Yeah, uh, in the yeah, in the very low 50s, it kind of illustrates, you know, this threading the needle that the Fed is trying to do. Uh, hit inflation, get back to that 2% target, which is going to be difficult uh, for that last mile, as we say. Uh, and at the same time, making sure you know, tighter policy doesn't break anything. 
Uh, and that's, you know, that's where it relates to, you know, the real economy, uh, business activity, and uh, earnings potential. Yep, well said. So um, I guess with inflation, I'll let you walk through this chart. Uh, but we get CPI this week and PPI. Uh, so this is probably going to get the most attention of any uh, economic event on the calendar. You had gasoline prices rise. So that will probably elevate the headline CPI a little bit this week, right? Yeah, and that's exactly right. So that little uptick in the dark blue line is based on expectations that because we had uh, a fairly uh, sizable increase in energy prices, headline CPI, blue line, will have an actual uptick in the in the year on year rate. Uh, month on month, it's going to be pretty hot, you know, 0. 0.5. Uh, I think consensus is even a little bit hotter than that, uh, 0.6% month over month. Uh, but I think, you know, it's it's key to remember, and I think investors will, will focus on this, the Fed talks about core inflation, particularly the inflation metric, not from the CPI report, but from the other uh, sister report uh, from the personal income and spending that we get We'll get that later in the month of September. And, and either way you look at it, you know, we'll have a little bit of uptick headline uh, later this week, but we're clearly on the downward trajectory. Look at the orange line. The orange line strips out the volatility uh, from food and uh, energy prices. And so, you know, that that's continuing to tick down. And, you know, this forecast that I have here, Jeff, is based on, you know, a, a 0.2 month on month trend which is which is pretty conservative it's possible that as as things slow down particularly in rent prices we could have something a little bit softer so if anything i think there's there's risk that uh that orange line right there will tick lower uh by december than what i even have here in this chart so i know you've been talking about a three and a half kind of core PCE by the end of the year is that still a reasonable expectation are we thinking that it could be lower it could it could even be lower yep the the 3.3% i think is where we sit right now uh by the end of december uh the the year on year rate for the deflator they call it from the the personal consumption and expenditure report uh so you know it's 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 truly going in the right direction it hasn't been particularly choppy uh, we've had a little bit of surprises here and here and there. In fact, just a couple, I guess, what was it, two weeks ago, maybe, or last week, we had that surprise on, uh, you know, financial services uptick in inflation from, you know, insurance. Uh, a lot of those were one-offs. Uh, so it'll be interesting as we continue to see a little more of those uh, numbers cool off by the end of the year. I, but again, going back to what I said, I think on the previous slide, you know, going, you know, we'll, we'll hit you know, a tad higher than 3% inflation in December, but it'll be a little bit tougher to get down to that 2.5% and then 2.3, 2.1. That last mile is uh, is going to be real challenging. Right. But they just need to average around two. So, well, they- that's, Yep, that's a great point. You 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 uh, highlight that. That's great to, for our listeners to remember. You know that actually came out at the Jackson Hole meeting in 2020. That was virtual. No trips to the Grand Tetons there. No uh, fly fishing. But uh, it's it's a it's an average over the long term of two percent. 
which means we were hovering below 2% for several years um, leading up to the 2020 uh, pandemic. So, you know, if you're a little above 2%, you average that out. Uh, that certainly is going to argue for the Fed saying, hey, we are finally at the end of our tightening cycle. I think that that's we're, we're getting very close to that point. And markets should like that, both stocks and bonds. Uh, so we'll we'll keep watching the inflation data closely. That's the you know main event this week. You see here on the economic calendar, we've got CPI on Wednesday, followed by the PPI, you know, wholesale prices, producer price index on Thursday um, and retail sales. I mean, this is a th this is a week of pretty important data. I um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Atlanta Fed GDP tracker goes down after this week because it is so hot right now. <laughs> five. I just looked this morning. Five point five percent Q3 GDP based on the data that's been reported. That just seems totally out of whack with what the with with what's going on right now. Um, is there anything else on here? Well, any comments on retail sales, first of all, Jeff, and then anything else on here that you think people should be uh, thinking about for this week? Well, I, I, I think you can think of uh, the the week of inflation being, you know, a part one, part two. Part one comes with CPI on the 13th. Part two shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, sometimes it is. And that's the University of Michigan uh, corresponding uh, inflation report. So that's you know it's it's not hard data it's survey data uh, but I think it, it's it's worth uh, putting together that's why I kind of a two part series uh, wanted to highlight that and then and then in terms of uh, the retail sales report you know and our listeners should remember uh, and they probably heard heard us talk about this before but retail sales is heavy goods focused uh, the only services really is, is restaurant services uh, everything else is pretty heavy goods. Uh, part of the economy. And at, at this point of the cycle, uh, we're most interested in services, and we're not going to get a good read on that uh, from the retail sales report. But uh, yeah, my, my key takeaway is uh, for our listeners is it's heavy inflation week. Uh, we're not going to get any Fed speak this week. The Fed uh, committee members are in their so-called blackout period. Uh, so that uh, is pretty much the uh, the two weeks before uh, the September 20th uh, meeting. So uh, at this point, yeah, it's, it's all inflation. Yeah, and the ECB, which is obviously related to inflation. Uh, I believe their meeting is Thursday. I think the market's pretty much split on whether they hike. You know, on the one hand, they have a little bit more of an inflation problem than we do. So that points to hike. But on the other hand, they have more of an economic weakness problem, especially Germany, than we have. So that points to a pause. So I think those are interesting. When you go into meetings 50-50, that's when you, you know, you really want to pay attention. So we'll see what happens there. That'll be uh, interesting. And then I mentioned that, you know, the big Apple event this week. Uh, I think those are probably the um, the key market drivers. We'll continue to watch uh, yields, oil prices, uh, and the dollar. So uh, anything else you want to highlight, Jeff, that we, that we missed before we close? And you did a good job of promoting some of the stuff we got going on. So yeah, and just one one last thing is, you know, so that uh, meeting on the 20th, uh, the Fed does release its updated summary of economic projections. So uh, that's going to be um, uh, tightly watched and uh, scrutinized. And so that's uh, worth worth highlighting as well. So in, in addition to a statement and a press conference, we'll have a whole deck 
of uh, papers to go through with that summary of economic projections. Uh, I will close with this. My favorite market news story of the day is the uh, proposed acquisition of Hostess Brands by Smuckers. Because you know what? If I could get jelly inside my Twinkies, I'm going to be a happy camper. So I'll end with that one. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we appreciate. Oh, I actually have one more thing to promote. The Weekly Market Commentary. Sorry, I left this out. Um, Weekly Market Commentary is about the BRICS, right? Brazil, Russia, India, China, plus, which now includes South Africa. So for those of you who have interest in, in the BRICS, which we actually make the case that they still matter. Here you see the GDP for the BRICS is uh, is bigger than the US. It's north of 35 trillion. Um, so, um, you know, just kind of walking through the outlook for that segment of the world and why it matters, although the LPL research team is still cautious on emerging markets broadly, we'd be more active there and try to avoid or mitigate China risk uh, for, for uh, emerging market investments. So that is our close. Uh, so with that, again, thank you for, uh, for tuning into LPL Market Signals. We really appreciate it. Jeff, thanks for joining and, and walking through the economic outlook and more. Uh, everybody have a great week and uh, we will see you next time. Take care. Take care. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.